Welcome to the Dr. Francis Miles podcast. Dr. Miles will share prophetic words, insights, and revelation about some of the toughest topics in the Bible. Dr. Miles also has a healing ministry, birthed out of his own powerful encounter with Jesus Christ, and has seen many set free through his crusades and meetings. Tune into today's episode and be blessed by a fresh take from this anointed minister of the gospel. I'm excited that you're joining us for another life-changing Sunday service here at Francis Mouse Church Online. Praise the living God. I'm beginning a series called The Sin-Bearing Messiah. The Sin-Bearing Messiah. The Sin-Bearing Messiah. Glory to God. The Bible tells us very clearly that all have sinned and fallen short, short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. There are wages that sin elicits and it's death. And, uh, and there's no death more dangerous, more scary than eternal separation from the presence of Almighty God. But that is the, that is the gravity of sin. We are living in a culture that, uh, that is playing around as if sin is simply a, a, a minor mistake you can make in human life. We are beginning to forget the gravity of sin. That sin is such a power that if God never sent a redeemer for us, a kingsman redeemer, in the name of Jesus Christ, all, all of us are hell bound. And we would see then the eternal consequences of living a life of sin. But thank God, God raised a sin eater or a sin bearer by the name of Yeshua Jesus. And I want to just break down for the next uh, few Sundays uh, the book of Isaiah 53. Uh, other, other theologians call it the book of the suffering servant. And others call, call it the book or the chapter of the sin-bearing Messiah. I choose to go with sin-bearing Messiah because I want to emphasize the fact that there is no name under heaven given among men that can redeem us from the sin nature other than Yeshua Jesus. And this is very important for you to understand because we, again we are living in a culture that is beginning to simplify sin and, and, and beginning to move away from the gravity of what it is. And I don't want you to fall into that trap, especially if you are a member of Francis Mouse Church Online. But we're going to break down for the next two, two or three Sundays by the grace of God on this, on this Isaiah 53. There's a, it's loaded. Uh, uh, there, there is no more messianic uh, prophecy of Jesus and his work like Isaiah 53. It's unparalleled, it's unmatched in the ecosystem of scripture concerning describing the essence of what Jesus came to do here on earth. And I want to be reminded of that so you can worship him at the level you've never worshipped him before because you realize, my God, if it had not been for Jesus, who had forgiven me of my sin, I would be hellbound. And if you're hellbound, Guess what? You can be intercepted like I was intercepted by Jesus in 1989 when a friend of mine kept uh, dragging me to go to this Assemblies of God church called Maranatha in the Republic of Zambia. And uh, I kept resisting until one day uh, trying to silence him. I said, okay, I'll come 
only one Sunday. That is all it took for God to, uh, for God to present me to Jesus. And for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel of the sin-bearing Messiah. My God, I was captivated. And under this anointing, I came under the conviction of sin. I realized in that moment that I was a sinner who was hell-bound. I mean, all the scales of deception fell away, and I saw for the first time the condition of my sin and how much it hurt the heart of God. And not, not, not only that, I saw how sin had actually separated me from God. You know, and so in that day, in, in that service, I ran to the altar. I was, I was sitting at the back, and I ran to the altar, and I received Jesus. And I'm telling you, it is the best decision I have ever made. And I believe that for those of you that are watching me by the Holy Spirit, you end up on this YouTube channel and don't understand why you end up on this channel. I believe Jesus wants to intercept you if you're not saving the Lord or maybe you walked away from God. This is your return, your turn to recommit your life to Jesus or give your life to Christ for your very first time. So in Isaiah 53, the Bible says this, Who has believed our report? The writer or the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, begins this powerful uh, messianic uh, redemptive chapter by saying, who has believed our report? That is a weighty statement. That's a weighty question. You know, who has believed our report? That tells me that the reason why many people are going, well, hell is full of people who never believe the report of the Lord. Because if you, you believe his report about sin, you believe his report about the depravity of mankind without God. If you believe the report of the Bible, that the Bible is the infallible word of God. If you believe that report, then it will change your demeanor. It will change how you behave. It will change how you come before the Lord. Because you're going to realize like I did in that service, in Maranatha Semis of God, 1989, that I was a sinner, but I could be redeemed I, because the Savior had already been provided. The ransom had already been provided for my redemption. My God, I ran at the chance of getting my portion of the redemption. And I'm telling you, I, my life was changed. 1989, August, my life was radically transformed. Praise God. I've never looked back. I've never wished for any other kind of life except the life I have now with Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I believe that I, I, I'm praying to God that's going to be the case for you. Who has believed our report? Do you know how many times we believe the report of doctors before we believe the report of the Lord? I believe many people who died prematurely did not need to die if they could believe God. But they believed the, the, the diagnosis of the doctor. They began to make it final in their own spirit. The doctor said, this thing is terminal. You are done. You forget. Say bye-bye to your family. You are getting out of here. Why would you give a man that kind of power over your life? I don't care what school they went to because you must understand God is still in, God is still in play. God is still yet alive and will. And so when God is, has something to say about your life, you can't let a man make whatever they say about your life the final analysis, the final injunction concerning your life. Who has believed our report is a question Every believer has to ask themselves at one point or another. Some of you right now, you have believed the wrong report about your marriage, and that's why it's going down. You've got to believe a different kind of report. Some of you have, a different, have believed the wrong report about your business. That's why it's, it's going down. You need to believe the report of the Lord. You need to believe what God says about you. Praise God. So the Isaiah, the son of Amos, asked the question, Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The connection is interesting. 
he first asked the question, who has believed our report? And then in the next sentence he says, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The implication is, the arm of the Lord is only revealed to people who believe his report. His report about Jesus. His report about his son. His report about the depravity of man. His report about that sin brings death. His report about righteousness and the power it has to elevate a nation, elevate people uh, 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 back into the nature and the likeness of God. You know, who has believed his report about the, the fact that by his stripes you have been healed? You see, when you believe his report, then the arm of the Lord, the doing hand of God, the miracle, the miracle waking hand of God is going to be revealed in your journey, in your life, when you believe his report. The arm of the Lord is going to be revealed. So if the arm of the Lord has not been revealed, maybe you, there's part of this report you do not believe. That's why I'm going to take the next few Sundays to take you through the report card. The report is already out concerning our redemption, concerning our kingsman redeemer, concerning the sin-bearing Messiah or the suffering servant, Yeshua Jesus. The Bible now begins to tell us, begin to talk to us about this Jesus. For he shall grow up before, he, before the Lord, before him as a tender plant. That is, the, the, the word tender plant there is a reference to his innocence. That he will grow up in, in, in innocence. He would restore innocence to the planet. Because ever since the fall of Adam, what we have lacked is innocence. Now, nobody, nobody on earth is innocent. We are, we are guilty uh, of the original sin of Adam. Because the Bible says, in Adam all die. You know, because we, we, Adam is a progenitor of the human race. Therefore, everybody who's born in the first Adam is born with a corrupted DNA infected with sin of the first Adam. Only in the last Adam, Yeshua, Jesus, do we get to come alive. But the Bible says he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Meaning he's going to grow up, in a, he's going he's to restore innocence to, a, to the planet. You know, and as a root out of a dry ground. This is very interesting. As a root out of dry ground. As a root out of dry ground. Wow, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. When the God, God gave me a revelation of these men, I began to shout because it changed, it changed um, how I believe God for things in my life, particularly resources. I said, God, what is a root out of ground? How can a root grow in dry ground? Because the natural laws of, uh, 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 the natural, uh, laws of agri-economy, I, I mean, ag I mean agrarian laws say you, you can't grow anything in a, in a dry ground. Because you, the, the, the root is going to need the moisture, the moisture in the ground in order for it to survive. Because the root feeds from the nutrients that are in the ground. The drier the ground is, the more difficult it is for any root to survive. And yet the Bible says, he shall grow up as a root out of dry ground. I said, God, what does this mean? That doesn't make sense. He said, yeah, because he says, he said it does make sense if you understand Jesus is, he, is the last Adam. Is not coming on this planet to draw resources from it because the world is under judgment. It's under sin. It's under a curse of sin. God says Christ did not come to draw from anything from this world. If, essentially what this means is this. He shall grow up as a root out of a dry ground. It means that Jesus the road is, means the dry ground which represents all our lives. It represents earth. 
that has fallen under the power of sin. It represents all of us who have fallen under the power of sin. He is saying, in essence, that we are that 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 in that, that there's a reversal in the natural. The root fades on the ground, but Jesus reverses that, and now the ground is fading from the root. So it does not matter how dry your life is. If you connect to the root of the stem of Jesse, the Lord Jesus Christ, that root Jesus will begin to fade your dry ground. And soon enough, you won't be, you won't not have a dry ground because you are going to begin to, to experience, experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. You see, Jesus did not need anything from this world. You know, he a gift to it. As a matter of fact, when uh, 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 they were surrounded by, the five, by oh, over 5,000 people that had not eaten for, for days, uh, there was only a little boy with a little bit of lunch, and yet he was able to feed everybody because, again, the root was fading the dry ground, not the dry ground fading the root because God requires nothing from what he created. He gives it all life. In him you live and have your being. In him you live. He doesn't live in you. You live in him. And you, and you have your being. It's a very powerful thing. So Jesus is that root that gives life to the dry ground. So you might be feeling spiritually dry. Don't worry. Just put Jesus in your dry, in your dry ground and watch revival break out. Watch moisture begin to come from the presence of God. Not natural moisture. From there's a supernatural rain, the rain of the Holy Ghost, the rain of God's presence. Do you know the rain of God's presence can actually grow things just like the rain, natural rain can. Natural rain is a prophetic symbol of the presence of God. The presence of God can grow things better than rain can the rain of his presence so i believe that as you allow the root of jesus to come in your dry heart he'll bring he'll bring the joy of the lord back he'll infuse your dry heart that's why when i got born again he gave he took the stony a uh, dry heart and he gave me a heart of flesh you know, I could, I, for the first time in my life, I could discern the presence of God. I could, cry, I could react to it. I knew when God was in the building, I could feel his presence for the first time. I never used to feel God before, but as soon as I received Jesus, the root came in the dry ground. And the root of his presence began to release moisture, supernatural moisture into my dry ground, and things began to change. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but if your bank account could, be, could look like a dry ground, just you put Jesus, anything you put Jesus into, the sin-bearing Messiah, any place, any place in your life where you plant Jesus is not going to be dry no more. There's going to be a transformation. There's going to be a change anywhere you put Jesus. Somebody praise God for that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We continue with the report of the Lord. He has no form or comeliness. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Now, why would this ascribe to the Messiah? Because understand this. It's very, very important why the Bible is doing this. In other ways, the Bible is saying this, that there was nothing about Jesus in the natural that was so beautiful that you would desire him. I know that in most movies, Jesus is portrayed as this handsome, you know, uh, Brad Pitt looking kind of dude. That is not true. You know, God, Jesus was very plain looking. Now he's glorious in glory. If you ever meet the Lord in glory, my God, I hope you're ready for it. It's life changing. It's life changing. But the truth of the matter is, 
in the natural, he was so comely, he was so ordinary that they, that they needed actually Judas the Iscariot to identify him in a crowd. Even among a few people, they needed Judas, Judas Iscariot to be able to identify who Jesus is by the Judas case. The one you kiss, I kiss, that is the Messiah. I mean, if he was so distinct, so handsome like an angel, I mean, he was dazzling, dazzling, beautiful. I mean, he would be a model. I mean, I mean, I mean most Jesus movies, the Jesus I see in movies, like, like in the movie, Son of God, you know, I remember, I remember with these women coming out of the movie, Son of God, I said, my God, j j they said, they were joking, but I said, my God, Jesus was hot. And what they were saying was he, was, he was too pretty. He was too handsome. He was not. Why would God do that? Because God did not want to draw any attention to the flesh. It was what was encased in that fleshly body that was most important. So this, again, but also because Jesus was also designed as a sin-bearing Messiah, he was supposed to also take our ugliness. So Jesus allowed himself not to be really handsome. So in other words, he was very plain looking, you know, plain looking, if not ugly, you know, in the natural. I know that's tough for some people to think about because God could, could give his son the best kind of flesh you could find. Yes, he could, but he did not. Whose report do you believe? That's a report. So for those of you that don't feel like you're handsome or you're beautiful, he took all that, he took all the stigma of not feeling beautiful away from you. You don't have to live in that because the truth of the matter is you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the writer of the Psalms tells us and you've got to believe that. But Jesus took away the feeling of ugliness because remember it was, it was our eternal substitute in every area we struggle with. Any area where the devil can attack you, Jesus identified with you in that area and he took it away because again, he's a sin eater, he's a sin bearing Messiah, he's a suffering servant. Praise God. The report continues. He is despised, verse 3. But he was despised and rejected by men. This is interesting. You know, he is despised and rejected by men. My God, anybody out there, have you ever been rejected by men? I tell you, we all are designed for acceptance. I don't care who you are. You may, I don't need nobody. But that's a proof, actually, you need somebody. Most people say, I don't need nobody. They need nobody. They are doing that to protect themselves from the pain of rejection they already feel because somebody they needed rejected them. So they made up their mind. I don't need nobody, but that's really pain talking. Not reality, because the truth of the matter is, no human being is an island. We were designed by God to need somebody. So Jesus being our eternal substitute, he took the pain of being despised. He took the pain of being rejected. You know, some of you, you have had people despise you for no reason. You didn't do nothing, but they despise you. You know, and you, 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 no matter you smile, you do your, you do your best to be pleasing to them, and they're still nasty. Jesus took all the poison of that nastiness that is in the fallen nature that can cause a man that doesn't even know why they despise you, but they despise you anyway. And there are people that reject you for no reason. You know, but even when there's a reason why they're rejecting you, the stigma of being rejected is still felt by the human soul. Thank God that he was despised, he was reje rejected by men, so I can be accepted by God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Jesus has first, he has first, he has eaten, he has tasted of the pain of being both despised and being rejected. So I don't know who I'm talking to right now. May God deliver you right now from the spirit of rejection. That you will no longer allow that spirit 
of rejection to continue to control your demeanor, your life, and your relationship. The devil is a liar. That weight has been too heavy for you. It is time to drop it down in Jesus' mighty name because our, our sin-bearing Messiah, the sin-eater, at the scene and the pain of rejection. So you and I can experience what it means to be accepted and be the beloved of the living God. Praise the living God. Do you know when God loves you, it does not matter who hates you? Now I have come to that sobering concord in my life. You know, do I want people to like me? I'm human. Yes, I do. But if they don't, I'm grateful that God loves me. He's crazy about me. If I was the only sinner on earth, I believe this, that Jesus would not have reduced the price he would have paid for my redemption. He would have still gone through everything he went through just to get me home. Now, I'm telling you, that is a lot of value. If nothing else gives you value, that gives me value to know the Lord would have done everything he went through just for me. No wonder all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to the Lord. Who does that except the God who values you in a way you don't even value yourself? A man of sorrows. A man of sorrows unacquainted with grief. A man of sorrows. During this pandemic, many people have been visited by sorrow, the sorrow and the grief of having to uh, 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 deal with the, with the loss of a loved one. I know friends who have lost parents, lost friends, I know pastors, pastors, friends of mine in the Republic of Zambia and, and around the world who have died to the COVID, you know, and, and, I, and, and, and I'm, I've been grief-stricken in, in cases like that where I knew somebody who were very, very close to me and then to hear they have died. That hurts. That hurts. But I want you to know it doesn't have to destroy your soul. Don't let it wound your soul. Why? Because the sin ate Jesus ate that sin. He had that experience, so you don't have to live in that experience. You don't have to have the power of that experience. I don't have to overwhelm you. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. So for those who are grieving right now, receive the anointing of Jesus right now. May you remember that you don't have to do it. You don't have to take that. You can release it to Jesus. The writer of First Peter says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Cast your cares upon him. Lest the, this, the adversary, the enemy, who goes about looking for those he may devour, like a roaring lion who devour you. How does the devil devour you? When you do not acknowledge God cares for you, and when you don't acknowledge that, then you, you tend to keep your cares to yourself, try to hold them, to your, try to solve them yourself, instead of casting them on the Lord, the suffering servant. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. The Bible says truly, come on somebody, that we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In other words, listen. You know, the Bible says all of us, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to blame the Jewish people that killed Jesus, but, but, but Jesus was not killed by the Jewish people. He was killed by all of us. He was killed by our sin. He died for our sin. So trying to blame the death of Jesus on the Jewish people is really redundant. It's, it's, re it's self-defeating because you fail to recognize we, all of us, the Jewish people were representing, and the Romans, they were representing both Gentiles and Jews. Remember, Jesus was killed by both Gentiles and the Jewish people. Meaning what? Meanwhile, he, in other words, we were represented. 
All the Gentiles were represented in the Romans. All the Jewish people who ever lived were represented in the, Jew, in the Sanhedrin that said crucified Jesus. We all crucified Jesus. But why? Because he is a sin eater. He is a sin bearer for all of us, both Jews and Gentiles. That's why the Bible said for the preaching of the cross. You know, the preaching of the cross may be foolishness to some, but it's the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Gentiles. Praise the living God. So when Jesus was despised and rejected, guess what? We did it to him. We all participated in that. And it takes the Holy Spirit for you to say that and acknowledge that. You know, because you say, if you kept thinking it's always the Jewish people, guess what? You missed the whole point. That both Gentiles and Jewish people were involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. Why? Because God wants us to know both Gentiles and Jewish people are guilty of sin. And, the, and both Jews and Gentiles, we need a, a savior. We need a kingsman redeemer. This is who we assure Jesus is. He is a kingsman redeemer. Praise God. And if you cry out to him right now, he will save your soul. He would open your heart and say, Lord, Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, but you died for me. I, I, I give my life to you. If you just do that, I'm telling you, your life would be transformed because that's why he came, so he can be your kingsman redeemer, your sin eater. Praise God. Because if you do not allow him to be your king, your sin eater, then guess what? You are going to spend eternity paying for what he paid for in eternal damnation. Everybody in hell is people that refuse to acknowledge the sin eater. Now they are eating the consequences of their own sin in eternal damnation, never to be redeemed again because they have become like the fallen angels, irredeemable forever and ever and ever because spirit, they, they are now in, their, in a permanent spiritual state. You know, oh my God, I'm telling you, we have an opportunity to, to come to God in this fleshly body. There is nothing God ever did for us that is more beautiful, more merciful than God giving us a body. Because whatever happens in the body can be cured in time if we accept the substitute God has given for our iniquity. And this is his son, the sin-bearing Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Glory to God. I tell you, I mean, this is our 53 put tears to my eyes. Every time I read it, I can't believe the Lord loved me this much. You know, I can't believe it. But, but, I, but I've got to believe it because it is true. And, and, and the arm of the Lord has only been revealed in my life in miracles, signs, and wonders that cannot be explained by human means except that God touched me in a powerful and new way. Praise the Lord. So if you're out there, and you're feeling rejected. I think I'm even saying there's somebody out there, you are contemplating suicide. Yes, right now, you are contemplating suicide. And God says, stop it. That is a light from the very pit of hell. The enemy wants to drag your soul to hell because he wants you to kill yourself. It's not your life to take. Your life belongs to the Lord. God says, if you turn your life to him right now, if you kneel right now and give your life to Jesus or commit that situation to the Lord, God says you are going to experience a real life miracle in your life. You don't have to kill yourself. I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Please write to me at testify at francismiles.com. Testify at francismiles.com. Let me know that the mouse, your word of knowledge about somebody about to kill themselves, that was me. I want to get that testimony. I want to reach out to you. Praise the living God in Jesus' name.
Now listen, in the few minutes we have left, I want to give you an opportunity to give into the kingdom your tithes and offerings. Praise God. Remember, Francis Mao's Church Online is a church under the order of Melchizedek. We believe that tithing under the order of Melchizedek is, a, is of a higher order. Abraham did not tithe out of fear. He tithed out of honor and adoration for the King of kings and Lord of lords. He tithed to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus over his life. So when you tithe under, the, under this anointing, we do, we, I, want, I want you to do it not from a place of fear, from a place of revelation, from a place of honor, knowing that the tithe belongs to the Lord, but the reason you give it is because you've already been blessed. You're not tithing to get blessed. You are tithing because you're already blessed. You're not giving uh, because you don't know you're blessed. You are giving because you know that God has promised in his word uh, that when you give, he shall give it back to you. You know, pressed down, shaken over, running over. Many are going to give it into your bosom. You know, God is the God of the harvest. You know, as you can see on the screen, there are different ways you can give into this ministry. Praise God. Just avail yourself to one of the giving modalities and give uh, your tithes and offerings. Worship the Lord. You know, and from time to time, we, you're going to get a phone call from our office. We, have, we are very dogmatic about calling people that give into our ministry. Probably some of you have been receiving some phone calls from my ministry, praying with you. Because we just believe in doing that, praying over the people that are giving into this ministry. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you again. Remember, if you live in America, everything you give into this ministry is tax deductible. So at the end of the year, our, our very accomplished uh, 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 accountants are going to make sure you get your tax deductible receipt. But, the, but most importantly, you give because God's ecosystem is enough. If there was no RIS to give you back any tax credit, that was just God, it's good enough for me because he's a God who multiplies the seed that has been sown. So I want you right now to join me in worshiping God in tithes and offerings. Praise the Lord. Once again, thank you for joining me for life-changing Sunday service here at Francis Mouse Church Online. Again, I encourage you to go to FrancisMouseChurchOnline.com and sign up for a free account and then see if God is leading you, guiding you to become an, a verified member so I can really become your pastor via cyberspace. But from time to time, you're going to hear my voice on the other end of the line or one of the elders. We love you. Thank you, thank, thank you so much for joining us for this life-changing Sunday service in Jesus' mighty name. Shalom, shalom. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can stay up to date with what we're doing at francismiles.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thanks for spending your time with us. May God bless you today and always.